This is a becoming creature. I am your host, Nick, and I am here for the second time with the creator of VibeCamp. She is the brain behind the Jamboree, the unbelievable Brooke Bowman. You can follow her at GPT Brooke on Twitter and learn more about VibeCamp at VibeCamp.xyz. Brooke, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me again. So Becoming Creature, episode 11 with Brooke Bowman aired more than a year ago. We spent a lot of time talking about two subjects, your history and friendship. If I remember correctly, you had gone off the street like around a year before that interview. Um, as a kind of background, can you summarize for our audience what's been going on in your life between the time that you started getting settled up to the point that you started creating Vibe Camp? Sure. Um, it's been kind of a, just a scaling up, a very regular and consistent scaling up. Um, started off when I got back to my parents' house in 2020, early, very early 2020, uh, just kind of like working on fixing myself. Uh, didn't really interact with too many other people. And after a few months of doing that, I like just kind of stepped it up. Then we made a Discord server, then I made a blog, then I joined Twitter. Then I started meeting people from Twitter. And I started going to parties and traveling. And um, I kind of like every step of the way was like, how can I do more of this? And that's kind of mm -hmm. where we end up at the vibe camp stage of things. When you moved in with your parents, that was that must have been around the time that COVID started. So my question for you is like, did you feel very insulated? Yeah, I've joked to some people that I was kind of doing the, uh, the self-isolating isolation thing before it got to be cool because <laughs> I did not trust my <laughs> trust myself to turn down drugs. I wasn't really ready to be around strangers. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so I kind of like had already found my own way of being happy, just being in the house all the time. And then COVID hit and I was like, all right, I'm, everybody else is kind of in the same boat as me now. Uh, but I've had a couple months head start to figure out how to do this and be happy. Our society seems to have uh, a whole lot of pluribus and not a lot of unum, especially since COVID. Uh, I think people have felt extremely atomized and separated. Then Brooke Bowman comes on the scene with Vibe Camp to bring some unity to 400 weirdos and beyond. Outside of your team's hard work, what do you think is the real unifying factor that brought everyone to Vibe Camp? Uh, I want to say memes. <laughs> I think we kind of <laughs> memed it into reality. <laughs> but I don't know if that's the yeah. kind of answer you're looking for. It's kind um, of true. I think that's. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big part of why why it ended up happening and, and how, how we got so many people there. Um, but yeah, I think that there had been kind of like, a, as far as, you know, and I only joined Twitter in, I think, July of 2020. So I, mm -hmm. I don't have a whole lot of backstory there. But I, from what I've seen, it just seemed like the, the number of meetups had been increasing. And it seemed like there was a desire for it. I mean, we've all kind of found ourselves in this weird little internet bubble, where there are some like, shared values there's overlap between different communities there's there's a lot of different communities but um mm -hmm. i think some of the core values and i'm not even sure i could really put my finger down on what they are but I, I do feel like there's a sense of shared values and that people wanted to kind of like celebrate that with each other 
At first, it was you with a vision, and that turned into a larger team. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how that team grew, like who that team is? Sure. Yeah. So uh, as it stands, we've got Lithros, uh, incredible. <laughs> I mean, just everybody on the team is incredible. Um, we got, yeah. So Lithros, Embryosophy, Grin underscore IO. Uh, zero with Axiom is Colby. <laughs> I don't know if I if I'm getting that quite correct. I believe that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, George Junior Junior Junior, Hecatonsher, <laughs> and Orbnet. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's the that's the Twitter list. How many did I just list there? Is that seven? Yeah, that's seven. Good job. <laughs> cool. So yeah. So what do they all do? Well, I guess to answer your earlier question, I, I think you asked like how how it kind of came together. Uh, I just tweeted, and that's one of the things that I think is really cool about about this part of Twitter is that I feel like the, all the resources you could want to do pretty much anything are there, whether they are like financial or expertise or um, you know energy or motivation, whatever you want, like it's there. And you just have to find it. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a pretty cool proof of concept for that. But um, yeah, so Lithros has been helping with financial stuff. He has been he was. Um, Okay, so yeah, Lithros is helping with financial stuff. He's not really being um, legal stuff, but a little bit of advice. That's his. He's got a little bit of background of that. And um, Embryo Safi did all the the betting stuff, and she did all the communications. Um, Grin mm -hmm. has been largely coming out as like a, a coach for me. Uh, he's got extensive background in, as an entrepreneur, and so that's been really, really, really helpful for me. He's also done a lot with the website. Hecatonshire built the cuddle fort at Vibe Camp, but that was just kind of spur of the moment thing. Um, he did a lot with the merch shop and a lot of just like the back end stuff. Uh, Orbnet uh, did all the busing stuff on site and and he's been our scribe. And um, George Jr. 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 is kind of on the vision side of things. Colby has, uh, Colby did a phenomenal job. I, I think he was feeling a little reservations about it. And he just, I mean, I, he did the volunteer coordination for projects and content, um, both beforehand mm -hmm. and on site. And that was one thing that I just didn't even have to touch, did not even have to touch. He, he handled it so well. I didn't even know what time anything was happening or even what was happening because I didn't need to, because he did such a good job. And what was your main role? I mean, obviously you, you were spearheading the whole thing, but where did, uh, what was most of the work you had to do? Ticketing. <laughs> I have individually DM'd all 400 some odd attendees more than one time to get ticketing and also to figure out like a, a few of the logistical things. That's a lot of work. <laughs> it was kind of cool because it meant that it meant that I had I had a familiarity with a lot of the accounts, a lot of the people that showed up. So people would kind of mm -hmm. like say their first name and I'd be like, oh, and then I would say their last name or or I would remember their Twitter handle and things like that just because I, I talked to everybody. And I think that helped with some of the lurkers. Maybe people yeah. felt maybe like they were a little bit more included and a little bit more like they belong there. Chuck Polinick talks about uh, liminal events, which are events that are defining where for those that attend there is a before and after to their lives. Vibe Camp seems to be such an event. And the reach of its liminality is such that for people that didn't even attend it, it still feels culturally defining. From the feedback you've heard, how do people describe how Vibe Camp affected them? Yeah, I've, I've received a range of feedback, everything from... It was the best weekend of my life and or it cured my depression, 
uh, all the way up to people, you know, there were some people who didn't, who didn't, it wasn't their thing. I heard, okay, this is secondhand, Cam Empathy 2000 told me, I believe that Manipulana said this, uh, that it kind of feels like a TV season is ending for Teapot, and I, I that really <laughs> rings true for me. Um, they, we've got a new season gearing wow. up now, and no one really knows what the spinoffs are going to look yeah. like, and like who the, who the yeah, but it's, um, I really like that visualization kind of, of, of how things have changed a little bit. Tell me about when you first had the idea of something like Vibe Camp and how that evolved into an actual event. So what's like the meat and potatoes of how it went from just kind of an idea and a vision as so many people have ideas and visions and it, and it became something real? Sure. Yeah, I've had a few people uh, talk about Vibe Camp in terms of, you know, Visa's joke about the outcome you want sort of thing, but I was never joking. Uh, I believe it was Grounded Sage who initially tweeted, like, when's the first in-group meetup with membership in the thousands? And I quote tweeted that. I was like, if you guys really want to see this happen, like, I'll make it happen. But if you don't, if there's not enthusiasm for it, it's not going to get done. Uh, and it right. was under that tweet that um, Grin, Grin was tagged and uh, a few other people volunteered at that time, uh, brought in a couple of people later and one person from the early team left. But after I kind of like had that initial group of people, I was just like, well, let's just meet every week. So we started having meetings every Sunday mm. and some of those meetings we didn't have a lot to talk about. Uh, we got stuck for a really long time on location. But I think that was helpful right at the outset. Just like we are, this is a space of time we are going to meet every weekend. And I, I think that, um, you know, even though we didn't have a super clear idea of where we were going with it at first, I think that helped a lot because it kind of gave us time to build out some of the infrastructure that we later used once, once we had pinned down and booked a place. Tell me a bit about location. If, if location was the hardest thing to overcome, um, how did you, how did you work through it? And what, what didn't work and what did work? Sure. Yeah. So what didn't work was telling people, okay, we can go anywhere in the lower 48, find a place. <laughs> I had, like, mm -hmm. um, that was just, it was just too much optionality. Um, I did have a few different people that uh, were working on looking into like places where regional burns happen or things like that. But it was still, there was, um, it was just kind of too much to sift through and it was hard always you know it's hard sometimes to get responses from people who operate places and we just we had no real idea if we were going to go with a campground or uh you know children's <laughs> campsite whatever um uh so that's what we ended up going with and that was sort of accidental because uh one of my calls that i had when i was um trying to figure out location was with uh somebody from creator cabins which I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with them. They're a DAO outside of Austin. No. And um, I don't know too much about them, but I f just have kind of like a gut feeling that their vision is like resonant with 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 ours. And um, so I thought it would be a cool collaboration. And it, it turned out to be logistically infeasible there, even at the lower attendee count that we were envisioning at the time. Yeah. But uh, his brother owns Camp Champion, so he sent us that way. I think you recently quote tweeted, it's like Christian GXC or something. And he was talking a lot about the second vibe camp being closer to an airport. So in the future, do you think that like such a location is, is really feasible or do you think it's kind of uh, too dreamlike? I, it's it's entirely possible. I mean, I, there's there's just, there are so many different directions we could go with this. We could do something where we rent out an entire hotel somewhere. Uh, we don't mm -hmm. need to keep it camping style. And in fact, it might be in our benefit to kind of experiment and see what people like and what people don't. Um, you were talking about the difficulties of finding 
location. Tell me more about the biggest difficulties you and your team had to overcome while building Vibe Camp. Sure. Yeah. So there are some lessons that we learned. Um, and, and, and I don't know that we really could have done it much better for our first time. I feel pretty good about the way we did things, but these are kind of more things that will inform our, our future process. We did not really look into margins at all. We kind of made up numbers for ticket price <laughs> and, um, and, and it was good. I think that the $300, you know, for two nights plus food and place to stay, I think that that was, um, that was a lot less of a risk for people than if we had, if, yeah. So I think that helped, you know, kind of like prove our, our, our trust doing this kind of thing, but it meant that yes. we didn't have a whole lot of the wiggle room. Um, you know, we weren't able to, to pay the team. My, they did just, they did just give me a, a paycheck, which was a thousand dollars. I was very excited about that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> No one else has gotten paid. And that's the first, the first time any of us, and it doesn't even cover what I spent in Austin and getting there and everything. But uh, so yeah, so margins were a big thing. Buses, we didn't have a clear plan for buses because we had no idea how many people were going to go. So we ended up booking buses fairly last minute. And it meant that I had to try to contact everyone to find out if they needed a bus or not. And it was all people had already bought plane tickets. So we had to have multiple bus runs. And that was a huge like logistical headache. I think next time around, yeah. we when we do ticket sales, like I, I think that the only time we can be sure we can communicate to everyone you know, because we had emails, we had the Discord, we had DMs, but there are going to be people who don't check any of those things. Uh, there were even people, yeah. yeah, there were people who came who weren't, you know, they don't even have a Twitter presence. Maybe the emails got lost in their spam. You know, people bought tickets for friends. Um, so I think, I think probably the best way to disseminate information that's vital is right when people buy tickets. So I think next time around, have all of that stuff planned out ahead of time, have a set idea for how many people are going to go have a set idea for if we're going to offer transportation or not. And, and also bedding the sleeping bags were another huge, like surprisingly difficult thing to try to figure out. Cause you either have to donate them somewhere or you have to wash them or uh, you know, a lot of people weren't going to want to take them home and you can't mm -hmm. rent them from most places in the numbers we needed. And it was just, it was surprisingly challenging for that bit. Regarding supporting the team, supporting the organization, uh, what can people do? What can listeners do to support you and your team and the next Vibe Camp? Oh, there there are a lot of ways. Um, if anybody wants to hop on a call, pretty much with any of us, but I know in particular, Grin is very excited to do these kind of calls. I, I have been doing um, a number of calls with people who either have suggestions for places we could go in the future, or they've run mm -hmm. similar kinds of events, just so I can kind of pick their brains on on different ways we could do things in the future. That's super valuable. Um, our Discord server, we are kind of in the process of deciding what to do with. Um, we mm -hmm. and and there there are a few different components of that. Um, it's very very public right now because we just had the link open for anybody for a long time. So I think there is something like eight hundred people in there, and people were using it to organize locally, which is super cool and a thing that we really want to like facilitate and encourage. But also, there's no. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't just people at Vibe Camp, and we don't want to limit it just to people at Vibe Camp, but neither do we want like people publishing where they're going to be super publicly. Uh, so we're going to figure mm -hmm. out how to do that best. Um, and uh, but yeah, joining the Discord server, going on calls, and then of course, if anybody has any, um, you know, any other kinds of like particular areas of expertise they can offer with help, 
Um, and then also we've got uh, a couple of different donation channels that we are going to start a Patreon soon. Um, we're mm-hmm. kind of figuring out how we want the tiered system to work for that. But for now we've got, yeah. we've got a, like a Stripe link <laughs> that we've been using for donations. Yeah. And then also crypto. Send those to me and I will link them in the show notes. First thing. Thank you. But continuing, you wrote that you are increasingly convinced that the bottleneck to making things happen is rarely resources. How do you think your history and your unique talents empowered you to create something as big as VibeCamp? One of the things there, I mean, there are a number of kind of realizations I came out of the street with, and I can't necessarily trace back where this particular one came from that I'm about to reference, but uh, a lot mm-hmm. of things where it just they just seem so obvious in retrospect. And I'm just like, why was I never doing this thing before? I don't know, but I'm going to do it now. And one of those things is whenever I see people talking now um, on the internet in particular, but also in real life uh, about how much they want something to happen, I am like, well, why, you know, why don't you do it? <laughs> Here, have some resources right. or I will do it. Um, and that's kind of, um, that, that had become my habit for a while before the, uh, before the, that uh, Grounded Sage tweet. So you have this kind of this this wealth of of unique experience, the ability to take risks and think about the future in more creative ways where most people are kind of living their lives extremely habitually. And you were in a position where you where where like you 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 kind of have this this grandiosity about your vision for the future, but you also have this tenacity in in your ability to get it done. So I think part of part of uh, what goes into this maybe is um, my my entire idea of what constitutes risk is totally different now. Um, it's maybe not a very common one because uh, because of my history, you know, because I have mm-hmm. you know I have faced real real danger, real harm, that kind of thing, and so now I'm like, oh what is really the risk of embarrassing myself in public if I'm wrong about a cool idea versus if I'm right, it's super awesome. Um, and so I think I have a lot less, uh, a few hesitations about that kind of thing than, you know, I had at any other point in my life. And I think than a lot of people have about taking those kind of steps and believing in them. I definitely agree. Um, there, there are plenty of threads on Twitter about the events of OddCamp. But I'd like to hear your version. Can you tell us the story of the Vibe Camp experience, especially for for people that are listening that that aren't in the the in group, that aren't vibers, that aren't in the rat community? Can you tell them a little bit about what Vibe Camp was and like uh, what what it kind of meant to people? Sure. Yeah. So um, that story actually starts uh, at least a week before Vibe Camp started. Um, a lot of people came to town early because Vibe Camp was only two nights. And and I really think that was kind of where the magic happened. If we don't do a really, you know, a longer event next time, if we keep it fairly short, I we will still heavily encourage people to come early and to stay late. Because I think those kind of like, you know, Vibe Camp was just, it was, it was amazing, but it was overstimulating for a lot of people. And it was harder to form the deeper connections that I think we all kind of crave in life. And that was a lot of what people were able to get from the pre-parties and the post-parties. So we had channels in our Discord server that were locked to attendees. Um, well, maybe they weren't. Maybe they were public. I'm not sure. Uh, but they were for, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, um, you know, so people tried to coordinate where they were getting Airbnbs. And then 
I mean, most nights we went out, um, you know, there were some nights we'd have 40 of us all at a bar. It was, it was amazing. And then we'd go to parties together and talk and cuddle. And, um, that was really, really magical for me. That was, um, my favorite party yeah. experience were the, were the pre and post party during camp itself. So the way it was structured, we had, um, we check in was at 5 PM and the organizers could only get there because of a prior conflict with other stuff they had going on. We could only get there at two. So we had three hours to acclimate ourselves to the location, to get a check-in set up. And, you know, there were a lot of hiccups in this process that, you know, Mm -hmm. we will be able to like learn from moving forward. But we had two bus runs. The primary one got there 5.30 or 6 or so. And then there was another one that came in later. And so attendees were showing up at this 40-acre campus as it was getting dark and kind of like trying to figure out how to check in. It was a little bit chaotic. And uh, it took us quite a while to get set up for opening ceremonies, which I was so nervous for. Oh my goodness. I have never spoken in front of that many people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I think, uh, I think, I think opening ceremonies went pretty well. Um, Booty is the one who handled most of it. She's got such a great voice for that kind of thing. She's very soothing. And um, Mm. uh, we went over like a few logistical things and, um, you know, kind of like told people, you know, the the week before I, Vibe Camp started, I was in Austin that whole time. And I kept having people at parties and things come up to me like, what is Vibe Camp? And some of them had tickets to go. I mean, even our attendees, like no one knew. I don't, I didn't even really know. And so that was kind of one thing that we highlighted during the opening ceremonies is that no one knows what this is. It's kind of a new thing. It wasn't really a festival. It wasn't really a conference. It wasn't really a retreat. It was kind of like some fusion of those things. And therefore, you know, we we told them that the conversations that they have, the the connections that they make, the the activities that they take part in, um, the experiences they have are going to, you know, to come together to create this thing that we're all kind of making together. And then, yeah, it got dark and people had a little bit of trouble kind of figure out what was going on. There were a couple of dance parties that night. Um, there were, as far as the other kinds of events, I wasn't really, uh, I wasn't really participating. Um, I was kind of like, you know, running around doing things. Um, but we had it, there was a cafeteria. That was one of the things that people struggled a little bit was it was only open during particular times because it was run by the mm. staff. Um, and the breakfast was too early for most of our, of our night owl friends. What time was it? Uh, oh gosh, seven forty-five or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cruel. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But the uh, the site itself had a bunch of activities. They um, they had like a this really cool zip line. There was a pool that was open for a little bit, and um, lots of like hatchet throwing, archery, various kinds of like you know rock, like wall climbing things. And that was pretty cool. And then there was the attendee content, and uh, you know another area of opportunity for us or growth edge. <laughs> however you want to say it, is uh, is the scheduling process because it ended up being fairly confusing. And, um, you know, we, we need to find a better system for, for how to like communicate to people what's going on when, but there were some yeah. really cool things going on. There were like a collaborative, like draw your own tarot card thing that some people were doing. There was the tea house, which was largely spearheaded by George and booty. 
uh, where it's kind of like chill space. They did tea ceremonies. There were um, people doing, um, just had an art station set up. You could just go had canvas and everything. You go paint your own thing. There was a friending event, speed friending, where you, you go and you talk to people, ask questions for speed a certain friending. amount. Of- yeah, <laughs> it was cool. There were so many people at that one. It was up this like stairway on this platform, and I heard these maintenance people like, "Oh, they're gonna, they're gonna, there's too many people up there. I don't know what they're doing. They're gonna break it." <laughs> It was, that's how so much enthusiasm there was for the speed friending event. Um, and yeah. Ayla did some of her live polls, which I, I did not catch, but I heard was um, entertaining. And um, yeah, it's, and, and I, I one of the things I would like to do at least uh, at least one extra day, I think, next time, because I felt like Saturday night mm-hmm. was really when people were starting to like get in their groove and start to have made friends and feel really comfortable. And then we had to be out by noon Sunday. So it was pretty much Sunday was just like packing closing ceremonies and then trying to get everybody on buses and then post parties. That's smart though. Cause, because then everybody that was there for only, a, you know, a few days is kind of hungry for more. Right. <laughs> so the, you, you're, you're already set up for the next vibe camp, but any, anyway, continue. You know, some people stayed in town for the post party. Uh, there was uh, someone from the community rented a big Airbnb Sunday night that a lot of people went to for a big party. And it was just, yeah, it was really, really cool. There were just so many different, it felt like almost like it was, it was so big. There's so many people there and so many different things to do that everybody kind of like had their own version of vibe camp. And there's a lot of like, mm. you know, there's a lot of overlap between these different tracks that people took through the camp. But, you know, some people, there were people there that I just, I never even saw them once because <laughs> I, I didn't end up, I wasn't at check-in the whole time. So there are people I know went and I'm just like, I did not run into you. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about the, the pre-party and the post-party that you mentioned. What was attending that like? Oh, that was great. That was, um, you know, it was smaller, you know, they were still like fairly big parties, but it was small enough groups that you could really get, you know, more of that one-on-one time. That, that is what I really crave from these kind of things. Um, I feel like, like, you know, one of the things that Vibe Camp did was, was brought everybody to the same city where you could just tweet and have 40 people show up to a bar. Um, And I, I think that was really cool. I think also, I, I, I've been excited to see, this is a little bit off topic, but I've been excited to see how many local meetups are happening, uh, whether they are vibe themed or not. Um, I, I, I've been heard, hearing from a number of people that the, the number of Twitter meetups in their cities has been increasing on whatever scale. And um, I think Vibe Camp in the future could be a good way to bring together these like burgeoning regional groups. What was something that surprised you the most about the entire experience? I mean, I really, I really had no idea it was going to be that many people. I, I know that's like, that's kind of like the simple, easy answer. That's the first one that comes to mind. I, I um, was doing ticketing. We, we switched the last minute because PayPal uh, was giving us some problems. And so we switched to Stripe like the second to last day before ticket sales closed. And um, I think at oh, that wow. point we were like edging, like we were somewhere around 250, 275 confirmed attendees at that point. And mm-hmm. in the 24 hours that it took to finish like close up sales, uh, we, we shot up to like 418. Actually, that's including the staff, but, or, you know, the, the org team. But still, it was a huge, huge last minute jump that none of us were quite prepared for. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> pretty glad it ended up working out. <laughs> You've called it the inaugural vibe camp. And it's clear to anyone that knows you that you have a long term vision regarding the 
if you don't mind, the Vibe community, including group houses. What is your long-term vision for that community? What, what, what do you think is going to be the future for that? So we haven't quite nailed that down yet. We're still, discussions among my team are, are, are ongoing on that. Um, Grin has proposed we adopt the sort of like meta-label structure. And unfortunately, I'm not familiar enough with it to speak very clearly on it. Um, but I can, again, like, you know, send you a link to, to post with this perhaps. Um, and, and we're kind sure. of in favor of that. It's, um, it's yeah, I don't know if I can, I, I don't feel comfortable, <laughs> confident enough to speak on it. Uh, but what we want is like, we've got this, we've got this vision and we don't really know how we're going to achieve it. We've got lots of ideas of things that might contribute to it. Um, you know, hosting like this larger scale event is going to be uh, something that I think we're all on board with probably just once a year. And then um, we also want to start doing smaller regional things. And that could look a lot mm. like Jess Camp. Uh, uh, sorry, Essica 303, I believe her handle is, uh, mm. had had uh, a get together of about 40 people in um, Portugal the weekend before Vibe Camp. Um, and I also heard that that was just phenomenally successful as well. A lot of like really like deep connections were formed there. And so... So some of the options in the short term are, are you know, doing the, the larger ones once a year, doing regional things that could be any kinds of things, maybe renting out a lodge, maybe renting out an Airbnb, uh, much, much smaller scale, lower, lower overhead. So those we could spin up pretty easily, just like around the country, different places. Um, mm -hmm. We are also, George is looking into setting up a, a kind of, I think he called it a cabin finder aspect of our website um, or, or in the discord. We're not sure where we're going to put it, uh, but where people could go to form group houses. It's, uh, I think, an interesting idea. And then, of course, I'm going to be forming a group house. It's going to be fairly small because real estate in L.A. is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> if you go anything bigger than like a three bedroom, it like jumps like $15,000 in price. But I've got a few people. We're going to get together. And um, I'm just hoping like the more the more of us doing these kinds of things in public, the more other people will be like, oh, I can do that thing, too. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm really excited to be here right now. I'm really excited for when we are able to publish, um, you know, kind of like notes about our process and things. We really want this to be accessible to anybody who wants to spin up this kind of event on, you know, whatever scale they, they end up doing it. We're also discussing collaboration with like regional Twitter people, uh, for lack of a better mm -hmm. descriptor. Um, you know, if they want to host events, we, we have a couple ideas for how we could collaborate with them. Um, whether it's like a, you know, announced like, oh, so-and-so and vibe camp or however it's going to be structured. Um, I think that we could offer like, you know, some, some useful things just even in terms of like uh, people who you could offer like coaching or like advice from our team. And then also the, the um, we're going to be putting out some kind of big event calendar and that we haven't figured out how to, quite how to structure yet either, but we want there to be like yeah. a central place where people from all over the world can see what's happening near them. Um, and then those would be verified somehow through us. Um, you know, if, if, if we know those people and we're working with them, then they will, you know, be authorized to post things there. So um, it helps develop some level of trust in that. And I think there was something else I was going to say, but I forgot what it was. Oh, yes. <laughs> all right. So um, all these things are kind of like really cool, short to midterm things uh, as we kind of like find our stride. And um, I, there are at least a couple of people on the team who are very much interested in eventually getting to a place where we can buy land and have like a spot 
that's like teapot spot. You know, we could host events there. People live there. Maybe I would love to live with people. I, I know that was one of the things that I was really looking forward to with Vibecat was be like, look how cool it is to be next door neighbors with your amazing Twitter friends. And I think a lot of people really felt that, you know, you just walk yeah. over to their cabin and hop in. Um, and, um, and that actually reminds me of one thing that I did not say when you asked how people could help is um, if anybody knows anything about grant writing and applying for funding and things that might help support us as we as we kind of like take our early steps, um, that yeah. is a particular area that I'm interested in speaking with people more about in the near term. So um, I could I could actually like consider um, trying to figure out something near here because it's me and my Twitter girlfriend living in a house up here. So that'd be awesome. Yeah, totally. And the same goes for anybody else who's listening to this. If you have areas near you, um, you know, there's not really any constraints on size. I think that we can do, you know, we, we're going to we're going to have to build systems for for like allocating tickets. You know, I'm not I have no idea what that's going to look like yet, to be honest. But, um, you know, I think the more events we, we host or, you know, collaborate with people on the uh, the less pressure there will be to attend every single one. Because they're like, oh, you know, there's another one happening next month. I don't need to go to this one. I don't need to fly across the country for it. So if anybody has any ideas about things local to them that they think would be cool, please hit us up with them. Regarding Vibe Camp, what specific improvements would you like to make going into Vibe Camp 2? Like have, taking everything you learned from the first Vibe Camp and knowing that there is a large group of people willing to spend more money, what, what do you envision for Vibe Camp 2? Much more streamlined. Um, we will definitely put some work into building out kind of the tech side of things so that we don't get stuck if PayPal decides to be a brat or um, you know have to do so much of it by hand. There was a lot of this stuff that we had to do by, by hand. And um, you know, again, it was great for this yeah. first one. but. Um, yeah, I think I think making things more streamlined. I mean, that's that's the big one, really. There are a couple of smaller things that kind of like are correlated with that, but I think that's the that's the real big one. What about location? Like, what are you thinking about? Um, what the experience might be for the second vibe camp? Assuming, let's say, let's say people are willing to spend three times as much money, and you you would know you would still get at least three hundred people at that price. What would you want to do with that money? Ooh, um, well, I, we, this is something I haven't done a super good job or we haven't done a super good job of making very public. But um, one thing that was really cool, I thought with the first one is that we were able to subsidize tickets, the ticket costs for 10% of our attendees. So almost like 40 people oh, were there wow. free of charge. We crowdfunded. It was really cool. The community came together for that, um, you know, that not having, cool. yeah, yeah, it was really, really neat. So um, I would like to see more like that. If I, I don't think we would ever just triple the ticket price unless there was like we were going somewhere like some island resort or something that cost us a lot more. Um, mm -hmm. But any surplus money, I mean, we want to start saving it for you know for the eventual land purchase. I would I would assume we also want to start um, working out some kind of. I mean, this is very very early discussions. You know, it's totally reserving the right to not do this. But we have been talking about some kind of membership program where yeah. we, um, you know, maybe you get early access to tickets or um, something like that. And then also maybe we've got like some of that money is going towards renting some kind of space out for events. That's just like the, you know, kind of like a teapot clubhouse is 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 another cool idea. Um, and 
uh, I don't know. I mean, people have floated up or floated, floated things, ideas like renting a cruise ship or like, you know, yeah, like the Islander <laughs> Star. I mean, like it is. Wow. I think we're limited by our creativity of this. I don't think that's very likely, but uh, we are not closing our doors on anything. <laughs> Well, I mean, I I could tell you from my personal experience, like my girlfriend and I, we we did not attend Vibe Camp just because we're a little bit risk averse. Um, but we are definitely the kind of people that would be on board for Vibe Camp too, even if it costed three times more, just because there's the proof of concept. So yeah. just from our personal experience, we could tell you that if the price isn't increased significantly that your numbers probably will be right so it, let's say you kept the the ticket cost the same i would imagine the number of people that attended would balloon you know yeah. i don't know how many thousands of people but many um just because you proved that it works and that a lot a lot of people could have a lot of fun um and i think that's amazing and i i would i would genuinely love to congratulate you on achieving what was frankly a very risky and difficult vision to work toward. And, and I'm sure that you put a lot of hours and a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tears, et cetera. But, you know, you did it like that's, I'm kind of, I'm kind of so proud of you. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I was just, I was always like, what, what is this? Like, it's kind of crazy, but you, it, it was crazy. Like it was, it was, it was a crazy insane. idea. <laughs> yeah. And you, but it was a crazy idea and you pulled it off and I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. That was uh that is, that is fairly in line with the bulk of the comments that I got right after vibe camp. People were just like, I came here to kind of watch it crash and burn. Uh, but not only was it not like <laughs> that, but it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's frankly incredible. And, uh, and I think it, that all of your hard work will pay off in the form of a lot of trust from the community. You recently tweeted, if bad things happen to you at Vibe Camp, please let the organizers know so we can do our best to ensure the safety of attendees in the future. As part of Vibe Camp's authority, I imagine it is difficult to tr try to prevent the actions of bad actors. And when you have an event that is in the num like numbering in the hundreds of people you have like you definitely will have some bad actors what are some of the ways that your organization will try to mitigate the actions of bad actors at future meetups and vibe camps sure so that's something that is as you know also still being built but it has been a topic of conversation about the team since we started uh, we knew this was going to be an issue before vibe camp like leading up to it uh, we had started collecting an informal list of people that were recommended to us as being safety concerns. And I separated those out into ones that we had done some degree of investigation on and ones we had not. I only investigated people if there was a conflict, if they showed up on our attendee list. And there were only two people that we um, that we asked not to come and refunded them their money. Um, but we did we did take that step uh, twice. Um, so we've got, we've got this kind of like informal structure. Um, that's, that's one thing I've been talking to people a lot about, particularly last week, actually, this has been a, a, a frequent topic of conversation for me. Um, and it's something that we are going to continue to tweak as we move forward. Um, and that's one of the things that I see as being a benefit of, of people collaborating with us is they, 
Uh, we, I'm not sure what it's going to look like yet. Maybe if they have a list, a roster of attendees, we can look it over and confirm if anybody is on, you know, our, uh, our ban list. And, yeah. um, you know, we are going to have to put more thought into time into like, are these people forever banned? Are they banned from vibe camps or just, you know, uh, and local meetups or, you know, so there's a lot that's going to have to go into this and it's, it's, it is an ongoing discussion, but it's something we take very seriously. A week ago, you wrote, I can't shake the feeling that people consistently and drastically underestimate the extent to which telling seemingly small lies negatively impacts their lives, relationships, and overall mental health. Can you tell me more? Like, What what inspired you to talk about this and how do you think it works and what what can people do to fix it? Hey, coming out of coming out of left field with a big one there. Um, <laughs> so that was. Uh, I'm not going to really go into detail um, on on what what prompted it, but it it did. There are a couple of events that happened in my life uh, around when I tweeted that 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 kind of brought that thought, which is one I've had before, uh, to the forefront. And um, I mean, the ways the ways that those kind of uh, even just like little eyes can ripple out and affect people's trust of you affect um you're just the way you feel i mean i don't know maybe i am maybe i'm projecting here maybe this is just a me thing but i never realized the degree to which i was living just constantly under a cloud of really severe anxiety until i stopped doing a bunch of things that i had been doing before and this was one of them i didn't lie uh i didn't like out like overtly lie that often you know uh, it did happen on occasion but it was more just I was hiding so many different parts of myself and kind of lying by omission uh, and there were you know there were little lies there's things like why was I late to work again uh mm-hmm. things like that you know and and I, I think just that degree of inner conflict um had just a massive impact on on my my ability to cope as a human being and to be okay um and I see it as like it was kind of one of those compounding things, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you make you you lie once in a small way to somebody, and then it's kind of like open the door. You know, maybe you have to lie about something else to keep that one going. And um, yeah, I I don't know if I came prepared for we're a very like eloquent answer for this, but <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I can add that I have employees, and I found that the people that call out are the people that tend to call out often. And I, I do think that there is this slippery slope of someone that's trying to find every little way to get over on the system, but it starts with allowing yourself that first time. And it, it's kind of like a, in, in high school that like, if, if you find a way to stay home, then the next time you're like at the easiest opportunity, you're going to do it again. Um, and at work, I've met people that, you know, we had at Costco, we had 10 days paid if you had COVID. If you were out for COVID, we would pay you 10 days. It did not affect your sick time. It did not affect your personal time. did not affect your vacation. You basically had 10 days free if you got COVID. And there were people that took advantage of the system, system that were not sick. And there were people that looked into it. And those people were fired because they lied. But that lie, I think, doesn't start with, 
you know, I'm trying to take advantage of the system of COVID. It's, you know, I'm, I'm just used to kind of calling out. So I'm going to call out. And in the moment, I'm going to say it's COVID and then I kind of have to roll with it and I have to tell a story. And then you're, you're caught red handed one way or another. And you've lost your job, which you've been at for three, five, 10 years. Um, and that's, that hurts, but it starts with being comfortable lying. Um, yes. And that's a really hard habit to shake. Yeah, I think that's a great example. Uh, in our last conversation, we talked about living with intention, intentionally building a better brook. At that time, I asked you, in what ways do you think people can become the kind of person they aspire to be? I'd like to ask you, in retrospect, after achieving everything at Vibe Camp, is there anything you'd like to add about people working toward becoming the kind of person they aspire to be? Ooh, I don't actually remember what I said the first time around, but I will give uh, Kurt Rook's answer to that, mm -hmm. uh, which is, I, I don't know, I've gotten just so much utility out of paying attention to when I'm having fun. If I'm not having fun, there's always a reason for it if I dig hard enough. And usually it's something like mm -hmm. I just need a break or I need to eat or I need to sleep. But often it's 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 an indication that like there is some kind of conflict going on. I uh, recently have been like kind of mm -hmm. dealing with something in my personal life and I wasn't sure what the best path forward was. Yeah. And as like it was just oh, I was a wreck. And then as soon as I uh, you know came up with with an idea for what how to handle it with a friend of mine. I'm just full of energy. Everything was great again. Uh, and it's still going to be a really challenging thing. And it's still yeah. going to be very, very difficult. But it just feeling in alignment, uh, once I'd found a path forward that was that was, you know, uh, in alignment with my values. Um, I just I get so much energy from being the person I want to be. And I, I think a lot of our struggles generally come from, you know, we're just we're tired, we lack motivation, we don't have the spoons. And, um, you know, this may not necessarily be a spoons thing. But I, the difference between the days when I feel like I have a purpose and I'm doing what I, on a deep level, feel like I should be doing and I want to be doing, yeah. I just, I can go for days. That's probably a gift because I think that so many people find a way to kind of fit themselves into the, the wrong size jigsaw piece and they're just under this pressure all the time. And it's simply because they're not doing that thing that really invigorates them. So I, th I think being annoyed by that is, is it can definitely be a gift, I think, for a lot of people. So now <laughs> I'd like to ask you a few questions that you asked your followers on Twitter and see, <laughs> see if you can give as good answers as everybody else. Ambush. <laughs> <laughs> well you deserve it so what sort of specific cues do you personally look for to determine intelligence in others so that one actually i i, I did have an answer in mind when i asked that one um mm -hmm. one of the things I, I think i'd been playing a board game and and i i uh how quickly people are able to learn the rules of a board game I, I think is, is kind of a specific, <laughs> it's a specific example, but it's a, a part of like a broader thing. Like how quickly can people adapt to new environments? How quickly can people mm. pick up on new rules of etiquette or, um, you know, they're placed in like an unusual circumstances. How, like how quickly can you kind of figure out what the rules are? I, I think I use that one a lot. If there was money on the line and you had to choose a game to test people's intelligence, which game would you choose? 
Oh, I I mean, diplomacy, but I am biased. And also that I would choose that one because it tests for more than just intelligence. That one also tests for your ability to accept defeat and your mm. ability to like be kind of cutthroat when you need to be and kind of like just general EQ, I feel like. Yeah, so but maybe not maybe not EQ. Sorry, maybe that may be the wrong <laughs> thing I'm thinking of here, but it it, it tests your your maybe. social like uh social mm-hmm. abilities, I guess. I think I would probably play Stratego. Hmm. Such a fun game. And also it, it kind of tests uh the other person's assumptions of of, of you. Um, next question. Tell me about the ways in which you are particularly weird. Duh. <laughs> That was one of the ones I didn't want you to ask me, but I will answer. Um, (laughs) That one was inspired by how weird I get in intimate situations with people. Um, I feel like I have done a lot of work on the problems that I could fix by myself. Uh, Just like Mm. inner work, figuring out how I can be a better person. But I have done very little work on how to be a good partner uh, in a number of different ways. and I get uh, I get I get really awkward and I get weird when I have a crush on people and I get anxious. And that is that is that is one of my bigger things that I'm working on now um, is is dealing with some of that stuff when I can find people who will help me work through it. <laughs> well, do you mind opening up about that a little bit? Like you're this incredibly courageous, brave person that's overcome so much difficulty and has achieved so much. What? do you think makes you anxious in these in these in these personal moments where it it doesn't appear that there's great risk and and you're like you're willing to overcome so much in these other situations do you mind unpacking that a little bit i can certainly try uh one of the components here i think is that it is difficult for me to experience emotions around other people a lot of like Mm. i'm very very open about my background but it doesn't cost Mm -hmm. me anything to share it because i'm not really experiencing it as i do um and so you know i haven't really like fully brought someone in in that way in a long time and tend to get a little bit like yeah, a little bit anxious when when it starts to become a, a, a threat, I guess. It's not really a threat, but when I start to see the potential there. Um, and then also, uh, I am bad with boundaries still. It's something that I'm really actively working on. Um, I'm getting much better about them in day-to-day life, but uh, I, there's a lot that I just don't know about myself still, like sexually, romantically. And mm. I just may not even know what I want. And um, it's difficult for me to like hold strong boundaries when I'm not sure what it is I want. What's your most insane worldview? Oh, that's a, yeah, that's an older one. Um, I my answer is probably that most people can do what I did <laughs> in terms of like becoming someone, like building like a person that they want to be, and then being that person. Hmm. So, what do you mean, like? Do you think that like basically anybody with sufficient motivation or like anyone, anyone like that, the person that's habituated to their regular life? I am not sure how anyone, anyone I would go with it because there were 
you know, I had a lot of privilege um, going into things. I, you know, had decent education. I was like pretty bright growing up and spent a lot mm-hmm. of time doing like inner work in college. And that kind of yeah. set me up to like figure out the things I needed to figure out on the street. But that being said, I, um, I think it's not just motivation. I think there are a lot of different components that would have to go in it, like a lot of different ingredients to make this kind of recipe. But I, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's more possible than people realize it is. In short, I think that you're, what you're saying your most insane worldview is, is that you have a true belief in the tenacity of humans, right? And the tenacity of people to survive and to excel. I don't, I don't know that I would use the word tenacity. I think what I was mm. meaning more was that in our capacity to thrive. Mm. Next question. If you had a chance to ditch your body and upload your consciousness to the cloud today, <laughs> would you do it? <laughs> oh, today, gosh. Yeah, today. So like you, you got a few more hours to figure it uh, out. No, not today. But so when you, yeah, when you ask that question, what do you, what do you mean by uploading your consciousness to the cloud? Like, <laughs> what does that feel I like? I don't know, man. That was a, I spent about 15 seconds thinking about that question before I started it. <laughs> <laughs> all right so so have you have you undergone any extreme shifts in size vibes wives and if so how Ooh, um yeah i i i have definitely done that to some degree but i i also think that i took up more space in my life than I, than I realized I did at the time. Uh, so I feel mm-hmm. like, I feel like I take up a fair amount of space vibes wise now, but thinking back, um, I, I just kind of sold myself short on that. Um, but that being said, I mean, there were periods like when I was on the street, I was trying to shrink as much as possible and mm-hmm. not be noticed and take up no space. Uh, so it definitely fluctuates. I, I think probably has to do with just confidence and, you know, a lot of other things like that. Yeah, I think to, to answer that question, I was shrinking or, or I tried to shrink a little bit in middle school, especially because I'm like six foot three and I stopped growing at 16. So I was always the biggest. Yeah, I was always the biggest person. And, um, you know, I was I was a kid. So I'm like trying to figure things out, not entirely comfortable with my body and, you know, a little bit clumsy. And so I, I would try to shrink myself then. But I would say since middle school. I was like <laughs> always, you know, the uh, the life of the party for good or for worse. So mm-hmm. when I'm in a room, I, I genuinely feel like I, I kind of drive the energy of that room. And uh, I, th- I think that partially led to my being a podcaster because it allows me to dictate the direction of a conversation yeah. a little bit. So to answer that question, for me, it's like generally not. Like my, my vibe has been kind of just very large and, and pulsing since <laughs> I was like 17 or 18. That's great. But, I love it. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I thought I had the door closed. It was not closed <laughs> and my cat got in. You're good. You're good. That's awesome. Actually. I love that. <laughs> so you wrote that you are growing increasingly wary of people who exhibit certainty. First of all, I agree with that. Second of all, why? 
<laughs> that in particular was a subtweet. I can just need to shift a little bit away from the cat. Uh, and, I, and, and therefore, I'm not going to go into any detail about it. But sure, roughly... but it's, it's tapping in. Yes, yeah, it's, it's tapping into something true to you, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess. I guess the people that I have known who have been the least forgiving, in one context or another, have been the ones who exhibited the most certainty. Hmm. It's almost as if the certainty will be aligned against an amount of flexibility. And in that flexibility, there is like some amount of empathy. So that like the, the empathy and the flexibility are paired such that we can forgive through our our kind of been, giving the benefit of the doubt, right? That like if, if we're so certain of something, then there's no benefit of the doubt given to others. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's I think it's a little bit dangerous how black and white the world is sometimes to some people um, that it can be dangerous for them and the people around them as well. So on our first episode, we talked a lot about friendship and after meeting so many people, what do your closest friends have in common? Like, how do you know when someone has what it takes to be your friend, given that you've sifted through, you know, at this point, it's got to be thousands of people. (laughs) I would say something approaching radical honesty is a big one for me. Um, feeling that one a lot lately. Kindness. I this kind of like feels like one of those throwaway answers, but that's really, really important to me. I um, kind of like realized a while back that I'm just, you know, I've seen enough unkind people in my life. I don't, I don't want to be treated poorly. I don't want to be around people who are treating people poorly. And I would say that, uh, you know, my favorite people in life right now are people who who are both very kind and very honest and very curious. That's a big one too. I agree about curiosity, actually. Like if someone isn't curious, I I just generally have a very, very hard time vibing with them. You know, you have to be, I feel like a lack of curiosity is kind of a deadness of the world, to be honest with you. So what is the best advice you have for people that have a vision? You know, that they, they believe in a vision, they have a vision, and you've been there, you know, that the early moments of kind of believing in something, but there was something in you that allowed it to become 400 people coming together and having a party. Like, so, so what advice do you have for someone that, you know, whether, whether it's that or whether it's being an artist or whether it's, um, you know, and having a girlfriend, anything, what do you suggest for people that have a big vision for themselves? I mean, that bottleneck tweet comes to mind about resources. Um, and this doesn't apply to to all big visions, but um, mm-hmm. certainly applies to a lot of them. Um, I found something that I was passionate enough about to really just kind of become obsessed with. And um, I think that I have been able to find ways to speak to other people that kind of brought that passion to life for them. Um, and, and have been unafraid to recognize my own weaknesses and to find the people that help fill those in. Yes, that doesn't really help with, uh, you know, solo projects, but, um, that's most of the useful things that I learned about the, you know, this vibe through this vibe camp experience have to do with like how to get 
the things that you need to accomplish things. Cause I, I didn't have any money. I didn't have any like expertise. I'd never right. even been a burning man. Uh, when this whole thing started, <laughs> I had you know, no experience whatsoever, but I knew yeah. that other people did have those things. So I, I actually just thought of this question now and I'm going to go ahead and ask it on a scale of one to 10. How do you rate Michael Kersey as a person? No, you didn't. <laughs> I'll give him a solid seven. <laughs> Kudos to you for answering it all. I'm so sorry. Kirsty, I take it back. I take it back. I couldn't help it. Some people, you just, some people just need to be roasted. Like when I met Rune at Vibe Camp, uh, the only thing that, that came to mind to say to him uh, after he introduced himself to me was, oh, you're not as tall as I thought you'd be. <laughs> You are ruthless. <laughs> my my last question, and we we touched on this earlier, but what are all of the things that we can do to support not only Vibe Camp, but also Brooke Bowman? And what should we be looking for in the future as you continue your your wonderful endeavors to change this community from just an online group of weirdos into a serious force. Ooh, yeah, I mean, I, I just personally, I've got a Patreon. I don't do anything with it, but if people want to support me to do more cool things, I will travel mm -hmm. places. I will host things places uh, if I have the money to do so. So you can give me money. I will take it. Uh, we are going to be starting a Patreon for our for the Vibe Camp LLC. We have not got that done yet, but keep an eye out. Keep an eye out on my account and, and on Teapot Vibe Camp. Uh, on Twitter. And then we've got a Stripe account that we're going to link. I would love to hear from people who know anything about funding. We are looking at maybe even going in a more crypto oriented direction. Uh, we would be eligible mm -hmm. for some for, for some for some grants that way as well. Um, but definitely, uh, we're going to be looking seriously at the funding thing. Anybody who's got any expertise or advice, reach out to any of us on the team. Uh, I, I Presumably, any of us would love to have calls with you. I know particularly Grin and I uh, love doing that. And um, if you want to host things in your area and you know of a good site and maybe don't want to do it yourself or you do want to do it yourself, but you want to kind of work with us and have us boost it, have us, um, you know, offer whatever resources we can, just, just, yeah, reach out to us. We would love to get, I mean, I mean, ideally it's, you know, every city, every major city's got like a big event happening mm -hmm. once every couple of months or something. I mean, that would be yeah. wonderful. We want to do what we can to help to see that happen. Brooke. I truly believe this is only the beginning and I'm rooting for your greatest success. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> that was the show. If you want to hear more episodes, go to becomingcreature.substack.com and you'll also be able to find all the links to the things that Brooke was referencing throughout the show. Thank you for listening. Until next time.